Tyre Power, Australia's biggest independent tyre retailer, keeping you safe on the roads. Tyrepower.com.au. Mourn Team Hyundai at Port Adelaide. All your family needs in a vehicle built for tomorrow that's here today. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! And a very big good morning to you on this Wednesday, the 1st of November. Can you believe we are in November already, Mark Bickley, as I look through my little camera for the last time, hopefully ever, I'm looking into Studio Lumo, powered by Lumo Energy SA. Thanks to Tire Power, Australia's biggest independent tire retailer. You haven't taken off your costume from Halloween last night. It's a bit <laughs> confronting. How are you? Uh, good morning, Jared, and good morning to everyone that's tuning in. It was, yeah, thank you. It was a huge night last night for us. In the Bickley household, my wife puts a bit of energy and effort into uh, these type of events and we decorated our house and we did the whole trick-or-treating thing and we had hundreds, if not a thousand people walk through our front yard last night, which was phenomenal. Our area around Glenelg East and Glengowrie was wall-to-wall people. There's a sort of centralised park called De Costa Park that has... Food trucks and uh, the Rotary are there cooking a barbecue. So everyone tends to, that isn't from the local area, comes and congregates there. And then I think they send their children out <laughs> to trick or treat. Mm. And they generally end up around the houses in the neighborhood. Um, so, yeah, a lot of fun. And um, as What I, was your contribution to the night, Mark Bickley? Well, because I, you I, said that you do nothing and I feel like you sat back and you did nothing. Well, I just tried to make sure it all ran smoothly. So we have like our front yard, we sort of set it up so it was like a little trail that came through. You go in one gate and then go through all the decorations and then out the other, out the other side, there's a driveway on the other side. So... We've got a fairly enclosed yard, so couldn't really... A gated community you live in, basically. see. And so I was directing people there, and and we had a couple of friends over as well. And one of them, uh, who you know, Dan Demaria, who uh, Mm. is a scary guy without a mask on. He put a mask on and made him even scarier. And he was having a lot of fun. Um, He would hide. And as we gave the people the lollies and they thought they were out, he would jump out and scare them. Uh, And that was a lot of fun watching that. So, again, you didn't answer my question of what help did you provide setting up and organising everything because it just sounded like you were an usher. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was that. I'm a, I'm a more, I'm in the background. I'm that guy that you're sort of not meant to notice. I'm like the central umpire in a game of football. Um, sometimes I cop some abuse, but most of the time you're not trying to notice me. So is the I, abuse from your wife because you did nothing to help set up? I put up a lot of spider webs. I helped make some tombstones. Uh, yeah, lots of that sort of stuff. Filling up the lolly jar, making mm. things happen behind the scenes. But I'm not. Okay. I'm not a f- sort of front of camera guy. I'm more like. I'm not like you standing in the middle of the stadium. I'm yeah. like the people that walk beside you that stand behind the camera and give you the information. Okay, make, fair to, enough. To make you shine. I had a lot of FOMO last night. You know what FOMO stands for? Yes, fear of missing out. Yeah, so I was standing in the middle of Tassie's My State Bank Arena watching the Australian Diamonds make a mockery of South Africa, and they ended up winning, I think, by about 25 goals. And I, um, because we're in Tasmania, it, at this venue, the phone signal was very limited, so I eventually left the venue at about... 
10 p.m. last night and then all the photos and videos started coming through mm. from my wife and my kids. They had a great time. And it's one of those things I, I think that you probably see the novelty of, of Halloween and having scary looking people. But, but I live in the northwest suburbs. That's a normal day for me there. <laughs> so there's no issues there. It's basically every day is Halloween in the kind of Peterhead area. So um, – to, to see the kids happy, though, which was very nice, I mm. guess I was grateful for one thing, and that was why I didn't have to handle sugar-filled kids putting them to bed last <laughs> night. That wasn't my responsibility. Well, well last night, so it started, we had people knocking on our door. We had a sign out the front that said, uh, we'll start from 4 p.m. We had people knocking on our door at quarter to four, you know, like wanting to come through. So we just mm. sort of said, just wait, because we just got home from school. Um, and so, and then we, we tried, we, we stopped sort of, we ran out of lollies. That was the, but we had about three and a half hours worth of handing lollies out. Uh, so that was around sort of seven thirty eight o'clock we stopped, but then it got dark and, um, whilst we were putting the kids to bed, we came out, looked out the front and there's people with torches walking through our front yard still, yeah. which, which wasn't ideal. And so I said, Hey, we're all done here. Um, so yeah, I was sort of half expecting when I walked out this morning, I wasn't sure if there were still people walking through the place, but, um, no. and did anyone flog anything? Cause you said you had to make sure that people wouldn't steal stuff from your house. Did anything get stolen? <laughs> no, not to my knowledge. Uh, and actually, um, Tori to her credit, and she did a lot of the organizing and putting all the stuff up my wife. Um, <laughs> yes, she, I know. This is why I question you about it. Cause you can talk a big game, but I know your wife did everything. No, she did. But I, I <laughs> help, but. Even last night, so I was getting ready for bed, uh, you know, around 9.30, called the 10, and she was outside pulling all everything down and taking it down. So when I got out this morning, it's pretty much all packed up, if you can believe that. So three days to put up uh, and about three hours to bring down. So well done, Tori. Oh, I'm sure she'd be really appreciative of that. Uh, more team Kia <laughs> for family cars at Port Adelaide. A uh, big thank you to DT and the whole team there. Uh, Bix, there's a lot to talk about this morning. Um, we're actually going to be chatting to the coaches of both our AFLW sides. So Doc Clark is going to join us, Lauren Arnell too. Um, polar opposite positions, really. I know that Port Adelaide are going through a, a couple of years of development before they're going to be extremely competitive, which has been the... I guess, the pathway of most of the AFLW teams. And Doc Clark heads into another final series where the, the Crows are one of the flag favourites. So what are you looking forward to hearing from both coaches? Well, I think the other <clears throat> announcement we should touch on was Erin Phillips yesterday uh, sat in front of the assembled media and announced her retirement. And so I, I'm really looking forward to asking the two coaches who have both had uh, extended periods with Erin to be able to sort of go behind the curtain. I think we all see her dedication, her skill, uh, everything about her, the preparation she puts in. She always turns herself out in great uh, physical shape. But I'm more, I've just heard some, you know, anecdotes about how strong-willed she is and how uh, her attention to detail is amazing. So I, I want to ask both coaches a bit about their observations of her and not only what she brings to uh, her game, but the way she makes other people better as well. So I think that's going to be uh, pretty cool to hear an insight from both those people. Let's quickly have a listen to how she told her teammates yesterday at Alberton, because these are one of those things now where the debutante calling their parents saying they're making their first game and a retirement speech are the most circulated things when it comes to Clubland. So let's have a listen to Erin Phillips yesterday. 
bear with me, this is a very emotional day. Um, but I did get the memo um, from the Port Adelaide Football Club that all the number ones are meant to retire this year. So Satsi, Jonas, now me. So it's the year of the number ones. So um, it was done for a change, I think. Um, yeah, so this Saturday uh, at Alberton will be my last football game. And it has been an incredible eight seasons playing this game that I've absolutely loved my whole life. But now it's absolutely the right decision to call time. I wish I could physically keep going and give this club more, but I can honestly say that I've given every single thing that I have left. Mm. Yep, and uh, I don't think you could doubt that as well. Let's, like, hectic lifestyle, I'm sure, Jared. You've got, she's got young children, uh, yeah. her and her partner, Tracy, and... Uh, uh, you know, captaining a footy club, doing all the, you know, the other stuff that's, uh, that goes along with that. It's, um, she's been pretty phenomenal, not just for the two local teams here, but for the actual AFLW competition. She's been a trailblazer. She was the face of the competition very much for the first three or four years as well. So, um, yeah, phenomenal contribution. And as you mentioned, 2024 is going to look a little bit different for players wearing the number one for the Port Adelaide Football Club because Cam Sutcliffe has retired, Tom Jonas has retired, and Aaron Phillips has now retired. So changing of the guard at the Port Adelaide Football Club. If you have anything you wanted to discuss about Aaron Phillips, you can send us a text in 0427154166. Can I actually uh, give someone a shout out? Um, it's a former colleague of yours and mine, uh, Leith Forrest, who works on 5AA. Uh, Leith was interviewing Erin about six to 12 months before the floating of the, um, the AFLW competition. And there was, it was a sort of thought bubble and it was, as it became more and more likely, he was doing something, an interview or something with her and said, have you thought about playing in the AFLW? It's sort of happening. And she said, oh, I would love to. And so, uh, Leith said, did you want me to talk to people about that and see if they can get in touch? And she said, yes, please. So Leith rang me. I rang Phil Harper. Phil Harper rang Aaron Phillips, and the rest is history. How about that? That's great. It sounds like you're taking credit for Aaron no, Phillips's football I, career. I'm taking. I'm giving. I'm giving credit to someone who actually uh, facilitated. <laughs> oh, that. that is unbelievable. That Mark Bickley. That is your worst. What? <laughs> I was giving credit to Leith Forrest and Phil Harper. I was just instigating how that happened. So, okay, Aaron, if you are listening, on behalf of Mark Bickley, you're welcome. No, is, that what no. you're, is that what you're saying? I'm saying I had nothing. I was the middleman. I'm just saying how <laughs> it was a um, – it wasn't like – what I'm saying is it wasn't like – the Adelaide Football Club was setting up a club and they were saying, who are we going to target? Who we mm. have to have? Who's this marquee player that we've got to go mm. find? This is the person. Then they went out and they set about it. And that was the opposite. It was Aaron who reached out and said, I want to play this game. And it was mm. just, and so, and then it was a phone call to say, I'm really interested in playing the game. And they said, yeah, we'd love to have you involved. So that's, I'm just trying to provide a little bit of uh, I think it's background. great insight. I'm just saying I could have I could have worded it by saying if the, the guy that you spoke to called you, you could have said, yeah, he made a couple of phone calls and then she ended up playing AFLW. But you're like, yeah, yeah. then he called me. <laughs> it's, it's called insertion, that is. 
inserting well, yourself there's a lot in. Of, there's a lot story. of self-insertion going on here, so I need to take a breather, okay? Um, it is 13 minutes past six. We're in Studio Lumo, powered by Lumo Energy SA. At seven o'clock, we are going to be asking the question, who is the greatest male athlete of all time? It caused controversy yesterday, not only on social media, but amongst us here at SENSA. And as we said, um, we're going to be speaking to Matthew Clark, Lauren Arnell, Simon Hill about the world game and the Matildas as well. If you want to send us a text, 0427 we're in Studio Lumo, powered by Lumo Energy SA. Good morning. Biggest independent tyre retailer, keeping you safe on the roads. Tyrepower.com.au. Morn Team Hyundai at Port Adelaide. All your family needs in a vehicle built for tomorrow that's here today. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! 19 minutes past six on SENSA Breakfast. Hey, Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American Footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. So shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12th. So you've got to do that over the next couple of weeks. You're in with a chance. T's and C's apply. Before we get your nomination for the good stuff, Mark Bickley, our text line 0427-154-166. Phil has sent us a text message that says, hey, boys, the etiquette of what time to finish Handing out lollies is all important. We have an eight-year-old who wanted to hand out lollies all night, so he cut visitors at 8 p.m. Yes, it is a a dilemma. Um, In our area, though, uh, it wasn't so much of a dilemma because no one had any any lollies left. There was Mm. the volume of people. We we went through them all, and... We weren't the only house. People were coming in saying, oh, there's no one's got any lollies left, unfortunately. So, All right. Keep telling us your Halloween story. 0427-154-166. Tire Power, Australia's biggest independent tire retailer. Also on the show this morning, we have your chance to spend a night at the Hotel Grand Chancellor. We'll be asking who's in the hotel lobby just after 7 o'clock. But it is time to talk about the good stuff. Get on the road faster. 132727. We're going to have a good day. Okay, this morning in the good stuff, I want to tell you about my daily routine and uh, I was so chuffed yesterday morning because as I sat down after the show and had a coffee and read my local rag, which is what I normally do, the Wall Street Journal, I <laughs> I saw an article that took my breath away and that was uh, naming Adelaide as Australia's coolest city. Yeah, that's it's right. worth celebrating. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal has named Adelaide as the coolest city in Australia in a new article. It said Sydney and Melbourne might pull in more tourists, but Adelaide has quietly made its name as a go-to escape. This is for blokes like you, for gastronomes and nature lovers. So it talked What's a gastronome? About, oh, I'm guessing someone who likes food. I'm, I'm only guessing. Um, but it talked about the small size, makes it easy to escape to nature it's surrounded by a moat of lush parklands. You're a 20-minute drive from the ocean or the bush. Uh, there's lush valleys of locally grown produce. It's easy to wander by foot, stumbling on discoveries while enjoying long post-food coma strolls. There you go. Bix, would you describe yourself as being cool? Cool? Uh, no, that's probably not me. Yeah, same. Are you same. cool? No, absolutely not. No, I wouldn't have I think... So. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I think we all agree. <laughs> Adelaide is very cool. Like, mm. there's... Yeah, I, I think we're getting better. Adelaide cops a bad rap from every other city, but it, it takes people to come here to go, oh, Adelaide, mm. Adelaide's not too bad, actually. Yeah. It's pretty well, good. But uh, we're, we're closed. Don't, don't move here. We don't need any more people here. <laughs> 
Well, when you say about am I cool or are you cool, I think cool is not something you can describe yourself. You have to be told you're cool, you know. Like so, when you see the hipsters getting around with the, you know, the long beards and the, they're cool, but you, you, it's not something you describe yourself as. So, it's mm. it's a bit like you shouldn't tell people how good you are. You should wait for people to tell you that you're good. That's, well, that's there's a flaw point. in your argument because you just told us you're responsible for Aaron Phillips' success. So no, um, <laughs> it's 22 I told, I told minutes. A story. Tell us what's cool about Adelaide. 0427-154-166. Send us in a text. If you're moving house, use the team that's easy and affordable. Budget car and truck rental. 13 27 27. It's 23 past six. Tyre Power, Australia's biggest independent tyre retailer, keeping you safe on the roads. Tyrepower.com.au. Mourn Team Hyundai at Port Adelaide. All your family needs in a vehicle built for tomorrow that's here today. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! 28 minutes past six on SENSA Breakfast. We're in Studio Lumo, powered by Lumo Energy SA. Shout out to the team at Mourn Team Kia for family cars at Port Adelaide too. Uh, big show today. We'll speak to Lauren Arnell a little bit later on, the coach of the Port Adelaide Football Club in the AFLW. Doc Clark from the Crows and Simon Hill to talk about the round ball game, Mark Bickley. Yeah, well, we just talked about Adelaide being voted the coolest city in Australia by the American Wall Street Journal. And we asked you, what's what do you love about Adelaide? What's cool? And uh, Dracos has sent us a text message in saying, Adelaide is just so easy to get around. Whatever you want to do, it's not a hassle to get there. And I'll tell you what, you don't notice that until you go to Melbourne or you go to Sydney or you go to Hobart, Jared. Yep, I agree. Thank you, Dracos. <laughs> um, look, our first call of the day will get a Signet Boost power bank. So that will keep your phone tablet and earbuds power 24-7. We want to give that away right now. The thing is, you have to call us. You've got to call us and get your voice on the air. one 736 736 Call us right now. After the news, we'll have a sports update, including one of the biggest NBA trades in history. We're also going to hear from Clayton Oliver as well, who has spoken out about his seizure. And plenty more. We're just getting started here on this Wednesday edition of SENSA Breakfast. Good morning. Tire retailer keeping you safe on the roads. Tirepower.com.au. Mourn Team Hyundai at Port Adelaide. All your family needs in a vehicle built for tomorrow that's here today. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! 27 minutes to 7. Good morning to you. We're in Studio Lumo, powered by Lumo Energy SA. And a thank you to Tire Power, Australia's biggest independent tire retailer. Mark Bickley, going to be a huge show today. Not too far away, Simon Hill's going to join us to talk not just about the Matildas who prepare to play their final game in Perth tonight as one of the Olympic qualifiers, but also a bit of insight into Adelaide United and how they are going this season. They've scored nine goals and conceded none. Those nine goals they have scored against last year's grand finalists. So things are looking very good for Carl Vietz Reds at the moment. Um, and also we'll speak to Matt Clark and Lauren Arnell, head coach of both our AFLW sides here in South Australia. If you want to send us a text, 0427-154-166. We are asking what you did for Halloween. Also, what's the coolest thing about Adelaide? Can you just repeat, Mark Bickley, the news about where we now rank when it comes to coolness? Yeah, the Wall Street Journal uh, ranked Adelaide as the coolest city in Australia. So... Um 
they, they particularly pointed out it's ideal for gastronomes and nature lovers. So um, there you go. Are you either of those? Yeah, I've got some gastro problems. Um, I did have a look. It says uh, gastronomy is the study of the relationship between food and culture and the art of preparing and serving rich or delicate and appetizing food. Mm. Um, and I think that's true. We've got a very good food culture, and I no think doubt. that is showcased. I know um, I talk a lot about the World Game, and I make no apologies for that, but when the Women's World Cup was here... It gave us a really good insight into how multicultural South Australia is and how many different parts of the world are represented, um, which also helps us with cuisine too, because there's just such an influence from so many parts of the world. So we're very lucky to have mm. such a multicultural part of Australia. Mm. I think the other thing as well is the, the pristine environment we have to grow the produce and you think about how close it is. So whether that's seafood, whether that's... Uh, the Adelaide Hills and what's going on out there, or Virginia, we, we, with a food bowl. We've got this great food bowl of, of natural produce around us and so close to us. So that, you know, if you're, if you are a, an eatery or a chef, you've got the greatest ingredients to, to ply your trade. And that was sort of talked about in the, uh, the article as well. So anyway, tell us what you think about uh, Adelaide and why it's cool. If you haven't heard, Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American Footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. Shopping store at Beaumont's before November 12th. You're in with a chance. T's and C's apply. Let's head into our sports update on this Wednesday morning. Okay, let's start off uh, with netball. Australia has completed a hugely successful 2023 campaign by sweeping South Africa in their three-match netball series. That's where Jared Walsh is at the moment in Hobart. They had a win last night, 77-50. to 50. So it means they finished the year with 16 victories from 19 tests. They won the Quad Series, they won the World Cup and the Constellation Cup prior to playing the Proteas. So... Uh, well done to the Diamonds. Uh, former champions Pakistan have kept alive their slender chances of making the semi-finals of the 50-over World Cup with a seven-wicket win over Bangladesh. So uh, well done to Bangladesh. This is interesting. Saudi Arabia was the only football association to present a bid to host the 2034 FIFA World Cup. Uh, that was before the deadline closed. One bid was put in. FIFA then invited bids from Asia and Oceania. Uh, but... Nobody decided to put in. Australia said it would not be presenting a bid to host the tournament, leaving Saudi Arabia as the only candidate. Now, I assume everyone just thinks, you know what? There's a bottomless pit of money coming from Saudi Arabia. We are not going to waste a big pot. I think it's around $50 million the last time we decided to bid for something like that. And if you spend that type of money and you don't get it, that could be put into other stuff. So, um Anyway. Yeah, it was interesting yesterday, Football Australia put out a statement and um, the statement effectively said, we've explored the opportunity to host the FIFA World Cup and having taken all factors into consideration, we've reached a conclusion not to do so for the 2034 competition. Instead, we believe we're in a strong position to host the oldest women's international competition in the world, the AFC Women's Asian Cup in 26, then welcome the greatest teams in world football for the 29 FIFA Club World Cup. So they've, mm, they've they've basically had a bit of a soft blow when they've said, hey, we're going to do this, but also, by the way, we're not doing this. Yeah. And, and as I said, it's probably a smart move. Let's not get mm. in a bidding war against Saudi Arabia. That would be, uh, that would be foolish. Um, mm. I want to talk uh, NBA as well, please, mm. Jared. Now, James Harden finally got his wish to be traded to the LA Clippers. 
Talk to me about it because I'm looking at some articles and it's being described as one of the, uh, uh, where are we? James Harden trade. Did the 76ers get enough? How much does James Harden have left in the tank? Full details of the blockbuster trade. Look, there's about 100 articles on it. What is going on? Did it, did it go down well? It's bizarre. And again, we've spoken about this before, Bix. It just shows that player power in American sport is number one. So he indicated that he wanted a move from the 76ers. This was soon after he made a move from Brooklyn. In July last year, James Harden signed a two-year, $108 million deal. And wow. he got to a point where things didn't go his way. So he came out publicly and said in relation to the boss of the Philadelphia 76ers, Daryl Morey, his name is, he said, Daryl Morey is a liar. I'll never be part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. So he doubled down. Daryl Morey is a liar. I'll never be part of an organization that he's a part of. And he then chose, they've played about three or four games this season already, to be at the games and sit out. So he's demanding a trade. And he's got form doing this. So it was late yesterday afternoon, which was around 2 o'clock in the morning US time, where it was revealed. Now I'm going to talk you through how this player movement worked. I'll keep it pretty simple for you. Please. So James Harden will end up going to the LA Clippers to join three other really big players. So Russell Westbrook is there. Paul George is there. Kawhi Leonard. I know you're really across all of these Mm -hmm. names. But this is what happened in the trade. So going to the LA Clippers is James Harden, PJ Tucker, and Philippe Petrosev. So the first two names there are big-time players. Philadelphia receive Marcus Morris, Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, KJ Martin. So four players and three draft picks. So it's a se- it's basically seven for three, and it's people still saying that Philadelphia have kind of lost out. But ultimately, the whole thing about this and where I feel we need to be very careful in Australia, especially when we have something like a mid-season trade, if you have a disgruntled player, now more than ever, players have so much more control in where they want to go with their destiny. And yes, we can scoff over... Now, it means nothing when players say, hey, I won't be prepared to move. For example, say Harley Reid came out and said, I'm not, going to be, I'm not going to be going over to Western Australia. Player power is number one now. America is an inflated example, mm. but we still need to be careful over here. Yeah, the, the only thing I'll say to that is, is the numbers are so astronomical. Like for mm. James Harden, he's clearly rich enough that he doesn't need the money. And if he doesn't, if he refuses to play and maybe he, uh, you know, that, that is in breach of his contract and they say, we're not going to give you $50 million. He says, well, you know what? I've got 200 million in the bank. I don't need it. Harley Reid says, I'm not traveling to WA and, and the West Coast Eagles take him. And he says, well, I'm not going to go. Well, he's not, an, you know, like what's he do? He, he doesn't earn a cent and he's, and he hasn't got any money. So yeah. um, and the, and most kids just want to play. So I, I know there are some examples, but I think um, we are not in the stratosphere where we've got players that are so rich that they can afford to turn their back on the average wage now, half a million dollars. How many players are prepared to sit out for two years and and forego a million dollars? I just don't think there's that many players in the AFL that are going to do that. 
I think it's a really good point you make there, and I completely agree with you. The other thing I feel for is the fans of the team. So yeah. if you think about the Philadelphia 76ers, where it was only uh, 18 months ago, they had Ben Simmons playing for them. You know, they had, a, they had a championship contending team, and now they've lost Ben Simmons and lost the guy that he was traded for, and they have to start again. You go from 0 to 100, where you go into a season having so much faith, then your whole organization is blown up, and you go, okay, cool, we're not going to compete this year. They've got, what, another 78 games to mm. play. So it's it's a challenging thing. I know this is kind of like my, my passion and I love talking about it. Um, so let's let's quickly turn our attention um, before we head to Simon Hill. And that is uh, to Clayton Oliver. So we heard yesterday from Simon Goodwin and Gary Pert from the Melbourne Football Club. Clayton Oliver spoke last night to Seven News. I just wanted to get your take on what he had to say. Bix, let's have a listen to him. Oh, it's been a little bit stressful. It usually doesn't get to me. I take medication for my ADHD, so I've been talking to docs about that for a while and <clears throat> sort of been lightheaded and high heart rate. That sort of affects me a fair bit and I sort of fainted that day off the Watt bike. I was in bed sleeping at Joel's and got up to get, to, yeah, to get a drink and then so the next thing I was sort of on the ground. Mm, um, there you go. That's uh, Clayton Oliver. Yeah, that's the first time you've heard that, okay? So yeah. I heard this last night. I, I watched this, and again, yesterday, after listening to Simon Goodwin and Gary Pert, watching Clayton Oliver say everything that he said then, I don't know if it's just me, but I scrutinise everything that's coming out of Melbourne and coming out mm. from, from what Clayton Oliver says now. I, I would go, you didn't need to have that interview. You didn't need to say anything, because I've learnt nothing now. Yeah, look, I, I think the reason Clayton Oliver probably spoke is there's been... Rightly or wrongly, there's been a lot of discussion around his issues. And when you say, oh, he's got personal issues and there's, you know, and there's scuttlebutt, uh, there's, you know, there's invariably people will want to take it to uh, things like uh, illicit drugs and he's got a problem there. And, and when they, when you try and cover some of that stuff and, and try and keep it in, then uh, you leave a void and the, that void is filled by people that make up stuff. And so at least here he's being, you know, it appeared that he's being open and honest. He, he's been brave enough to say, look, I've got this condition, which is ADHD, which a lot of people uh, have. And this is some of the things, the problems I have with it. So I actually appreciated hearing that because, you know, it's, it's difficult because you don't want to, you can't really push too hard with clubs and, coaches when they say this is a private issue he's got some private problems he's got personal challenges it's hard to sort of push too much on that but when the player comes out and says this is what I'm dealing with then you have to accept that all right what do you think zero four two seven one five four one double six we're in studio lumo powered by lumo energy sa it is a quarter to seven next we are going to catch up with the voice of football simon hill tire power australia's biggest independent tire retailer keeping you safe on the roads tirepower.com.au mourn team hyundai at port adelaide all your family needs in a vehicle built for tomorrow that's here today breakfast with mark bickley and jared walsh are you ready are you ready are you ready are you ready let's go just on nine minutes Seven on SENSA Breakfast Morn Team Hyundai at Port Adelaide. All your family needs in a vehicle built for tomorrow. That's here today. Before Simon Hill Bix, we got a text coming through. Yeah, got a couple here. One uh, is questioning uh, Clayton Oliver, saying um, he didn't really believe what uh, he had to say. So uh, yeah, that was. Um, I'm just trying to read who that was from. Graham in Brisbane. Yeah, just said I'm not buying it. Couldn't uh, and, and went went on the. Been not all that complimentary to Clayton Oliver, so there you go. That's his uh, prerogative. Uh, and uh, another one here. Um, 
says, I've got ADHD and I've never had an episode like that unless I've taken something I shouldn't have. Don't treat people like fools. So not that's, that's also a really fair point as well. And I think people are right within their rights to, again, we don't know Clayton Oliver's situation intimately. We only are know what we are told mm. but I think people are well within their rights especially those people impacted by ADHD um, if they haven't experienced that with their medication before they are well within their rights to mm. think okay so what's what's happening here mm. and um, a final one from Daniel who, who says James Harden is a cancer why does any team want him I've sort of thought about that a few times as well if you want to get involved on the text line zero four two seven one five four one double six. Big time to talk the world game. It has been a huge couple of days for not only our women's national team, but for the Isuzu Ute A-League men's competition. Locally, Adelaide United have scored nine goals and conceded none. So there's a lot to talk about as we welcome the best football voice, I'm just going to say in world football, and that is the friend of our show, Simon Hill. Simon, good morning to you. The Matildas preparing to take on Chinese Taipei and the Reds are up and about. What a great time it is to be in Adelaide. <laughs> yeah, they're going pretty well at the moment, uh, the Reds. And uh, I was very impressed by that performance at the weekend. Um, and Nestoria and Kunda, of course, just underlining the uh, the brilliant talent that he has with that sensational free kick, which uh, I'm pretty sure has gone viral around the world. So, yeah, not bad for you Reds down there. Let's talk about the Matildas to start off with. I've really loved watching their journey, um, a, a packed out Optus Stadium over the weekend as they're preparing to go again tonight. But I wanted to get your take on the mentality from some of these players because there have been a few um, comments externally about banishing some of the demons that plagued them in the last match that they represented the Matildas at the World Cup. So is, do you think a lot of these players have a point to prove and they just want to get out there and play good football again? Well, undoubtedly, uh, you know, obviously there's a, there's a big prize at the end of all this with uh, the Paris Olympics being the next major tournament that they can aim for. You might remember four years ago, they finished fourth in Tokyo, same position that they finished at the Women's World Cup, uh, where they, you know, you're right, they, they didn't end the tournament in the way that they would have wanted to. Now they've you know, clearly set about this task uh, with uh, vengeance for that in mind, I guess. Uh, albeit, you know, we're, we're facing a much lower level, with the greatest of respect, a much lower level of opposition. Uh, and it was a slow start against Iran. Uh, they, they won the game comfortably enough, but, you know, they really found uh, their groove against the Philippines, which, to be honest, I thought would probably be the most difficult game of the three, uh, given that they were at the Women's World Cup. Um, and their coach, Mark Torcaso, of course, is... Uh, also the Western United coach, so he knows the Australians very, very well. Um, but they took it to another level, which is great. Um, you know, I understand the hype, but I, I think it's also important not to get carried away because of the level of the opposition. There, there are you know, clearly sterner tests to come once they get to the Olympics. Uh, they'll beat Chinese Taipei on Wednesday night. I have no doubt about that. And then that's the first part of that job done. Um, and the, the one other thing that I would say about the Matildas, what I've liked about what Tony Gustafsson has done, is he, he's just started to introduce one or two. And it is only one or two, but at least there's a, you know, a slight sort of emphasis on developing the next generation. It's good to see Amy Sayer, Charlie Wheeler, uh, one or two others start to get their opportunity as well. Um, you know, this is a team, the starting eleven that is largely set in stone, but... Uh, 
it's good to start to have a look at some of the next generation because at some point we're going to need them. Simon, you mentioned about uh, Australia being way too good in terms of the opposition they come up against, but there's a there's a bigger picture and a really important picture around a full stadium and they go along and they have such a great time. They see eight goals, they see the cheering, they see their hometown hero get a hat-trick, all of that. That that almost ensures that the next time the Matildas play at Optus Stadium, that's full again. So so whilst, yes, the footy, they've got to take care of it on the pitch, they're also keeping the momentum going for what was the, the World Cup and some we saw remarkable scenes. If we can keep this momentum going, then you push on into the Paris Olympics. It starts to create a pipeline where they're constantly watching the Matildas, getting to know the players, and it's such an important step they're taking. Well, it is. Um, obviously, the, the disconnect in terms of the game here is how do we get those 100,000 people that are, are turning up to watch the three games in WA this week uh, to go and watch the domestic mm. club product? Um, you know, there's, a, there's a, a very stark contrast between that 100,000 and the fact that the week before, Perth Glory women's team played at home and four, 1,450 was the crowd. So, you know, there, there is a massive disconnect. Now, uh, you know, the, the better minds than mine will be working on this. Um, a lot of it, of course, is to do with the fact it's a national team and uh, people mm. here love to, to wave the flag, uh, and that's completely fair enough. Um, but as a sport, uh, you know, we, we have to find the solutions to this because otherwise, you know, it's going to be once every four years with the Matildas, the same as it was for a long, long time with the Socceroos. And for us as a sport, that is not good enough, not least because, and you mentioned that, you know, they sold out Optus Stadium and that's true and it's great, but we are not getting the investment in our facilities, the things that we need as a sport, um, because it is, you know, just the national teams that garner that interest for a brief moment. Um, so we've got a lot of work to do as a sport to try and capitalise upon this. But, you know, in isolation, of course it's brilliant. It's mm. terrific. Uh, that the girls are packing out of stadiums. Simon, let's briefly touch on the Australian men's national team for a moment. On the 16th of November, we play Bangladesh in Melbourne, but then seven days later, there is an international match against Palestine, uh, and mm. this is, I'm assuming, going to be held at a neutral venue. venue. But do you, do you feel that there will be some discussion around players not being available due to safety concerns no matter where this game is being held? Because there's obviously going to be discussions around the team that they're playing against. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough one. Um, you know, if Australia were to say, well, we're not playing this game, then we'd be thrown out of the World Cup. It's as simple as that. So, you know, as, as a country or as a, as a football association, we have to play the game. Uh, it's not the first time that, you know, Australian teams have ventured into, in inverted commas, uh, dangerous territory. Uh, I was in Lebanon in 2011 or 2012 with the national team uh, for a friendly whilst the Syrian war was uh, kicking off just 80 kilometres over the border. And the stadium that they played in, in uh, Sidon, down in the south of, of Lebanon, was completely ringed with tanks and security. So, you know, there are ways of, of, of ensuring player safety. This, unfortunately, is, is part of world sport, that occasionally you have to go to so-called danger spots. Now, they're not going to go to Palestine itself. 
I would imagine it, it might be played somewhere neutral. I see that Malaysia had stuck their hand up and said, you know, you, you can play the game here. Uh, that would probably be a good solution. We played Syria there, you might remember, in the qualifiers in 2017 because of the security situation in Syria. And there were no problems in Malacca where the game was played. So I, I think it'll be fine. Uh, they're, they're generally looked after. But, yeah, this is part and parcel of, of sport and, and particularly, you know, global football. Uh, I was in Tajikistan in 2016, uh, two days after an Islamic insurgency in Dushanbe. And, uh, you know, there's a bit of concern for our safety there. But we were well looked after. So uh, I'm sure they'll be OK. Simon, changing tack, we're talking about Adelaide United. Hard not to be uh, absolutely impressed with the the young talent that's been on display and, and what a start they've had. They've played the two teams that uh, fought it for the championship last year and they've, they've scored nine goals to nil. That has been a remarkable start to the season. Yeah, it, it's incredible, isn't it? Particularly on the back of losing Craig Goodwin as well, mm. uh, which caused so much angst. And, you know, I, I called Adelaide's game in the Australia Cup where they got absolutely flogged by Western Sydney Wanderers. And I thought, oh, there might be a bit of trouble here. Um, and obviously, a couple of days later, Craig Goodwin left as well. Uh, there were no new signings aside of Ryan Tunnicliffe. And I think the fans were a little bit agitated and concerned that the club wasn't heading in the right direction ahead of the new campaign. Now, it's only two games in, so it's still very early. Uh, but what must be said is that Carl Veer continues to do an absolutely unbelievable job at Adelaide United. He's not got the biggest budget in the league, but he knows uh, all the young talent in that neck of the woods, and he keeps developing them, bringing them through, and making them into superstars. Uh, we've already mentioned Aaron Kunda. I think Johnny Yule is going to be uh, the next one, off, or, or, you know, next cab off the rank. Padash Madana. Uh, Padash Madana is, is starting to develop into uh, a brilliant first-team player as well. So it just goes to show you don't always need big-name signings or lots of them to, to make an impact in this competition. Simon, we appreciate your time. I know it's really challenging for you when the whole world is celebrating Ange Postacoglu. You're a Man City fan, so you want success for Ange. But <laughs> hey, you want hey success I'm fine, Jared. We won the derby in the weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I did see that, and Bix is, uh, Bix is on your side because he thought that um, Harlan should have won the Ballon d'Or, and mm. he's up and about. So, right. mate, we, we love speaking <laughs> with you, and thank you, as always, for your insights. But most importantly, thanks for what you do for the game of football. We love it, Simon, and appreciate your time. Pleasure, guys. Have a good week. Simon Hill, our guest on SENSA Breakfast on this Wednesday morning. Good morning. Tyre Power, Australia's biggest independent tyre retailer, keeping you safe on the roads. Tyrepower.com.au. Mourn Team Hyundai at Port Adelaide. All your family needs in a vehicle built for tomorrow that's here today. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! Good morning to you. It's been a huge show already. We're in Studio Lumo, powered by Lumo Energy SA. Wonderful speaking with Simon Hill just before. Could speak to him endlessly, Mark Bickley, what he does for football. And I should say as well, um, and I didn't mention this to Simon, the great news is I know how we were all across the FIFA Women's World Cup here at SENSA and SEN Football, but if you think visually, the most exciting news of the past 24 hours in the world game, and there's a lot of exciting news, was that SBS 
have the rights to broadcast every game of the upcoming Men's World Cup, the next one. So that means we don't have to just jump around and find different ways to watch every football game with the Men's World Cup. SBS, we know, have had a history of yes. um, and, and connection to the world game for so long, responsible for educating so many of us. So I think that's really exciting to know that we get that via SEN, like we did through the Women's World Cup. Like We get football for free mm. which is amazing it should be like that yeah no doubt about that because uh we there there is that danger that that the, the pay tv platforms can use their power and their uh their money to be able to sort of buy some of the rights we know that always our, our local team will be on free-to-air television that's part of the mm. any siphoning laws but what is sometimes the case is if you want to if you are a niche uh, market and you want to watch some of the other games, some of those are often behind the paywall. So uh, the fact that they're all going to be on SBS is great. Uh, a Signet Boost power bank will keep your phone, tablet and earbuds powered 24-7. That is what you can win today. If you get through by giving us a call or sending us a text, the text line 0427-154-166. If you're listening on the app, um, you can press a button to do that either way. Is that your phone, Bix? No, that- no. It must be uh, some other notification that went <laughs> off in the studio. Not quite, quite sure what that was. Uh, okay, so uh, still to come on the show, we are going to be speaking with Matthew Clark, the head coach of the Crows in the AFLW. They're preparing for another final series. And Lauren Arnell, the coach of the Power, with one more game to go. I just wanted to play for you, Aaron Phillips, quickly from yesterday. Yes. Um, before the big talking points of this morning. Aaron Phillips had a chat last night with Kimbo in the Roach, a really good conversation as well. Let's have a listen to Erin talking about um, when she kind of knew that her time was up. Probably after round four against St Kilda and sitting on an aeroplane coming back home from Melbourne and I just was, I was exhausted and everything was aching and I just felt, you know, at that moment I thought, you know what, this is this is definitely going to be it. So, yeah, it just feels right and I knew that, you know, at the level that I want to play at and, you know, your mind says you can and your body um, was lagging behind. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't right for me and, Absolutely the right call and looking forward to playing one more last game uh, this Saturday at Albany. Mm. So it's it's wonderful that she gets an opportunity to have a, a send-off. So I'd expect a big crowd to get along and it to be really emotional. And let's hope that uh, Port Adelaide can find something in this, this last game. And that's the other thing I'm, I'm sure has made it really tough. Um, you know, as players get towards the end, it's always a balancing act. So that feeling there of exhaustion you know, flying back and traveling and you've got all the other stuff, you, you know, that you're coming back to as well in life. When you're winning, there's there's that adrenaline rush that comes with the win. There's the euphoria. There's the sharing that with your teammates. So that often balances out that. And, and you sort of, you, you're able to convince yourself, ah, oh, this is making it worthwhile, you know, and particularly if you're challenging for a premiership or to be able to create something or do something special. So much harder when you're at the other end of the ladder and, success seems so far away and uh, you're not getting that sort of rush of adrenaline, you know, once every week or two when you're having a a win and it sort of offsets that. So I'm sure that's made it really difficult too. And and being the professional that Erin is, he's just pushed herself in the temp. The tank is empty. So um, yeah, as we said before at the start of the show, it's been an amazing career. We're going to hear a little bit more from Erin later on, but Bix, it is time to get down to business. Let's get down, let's get down to business.
Yesterday, as we wrapped up SENSA breakfast, we revealed that Leo Messi had won his eighth Ballon d'Or, mm-hmm. which means the best men's footballer of the calendar year. Um, eight times. Yep. Unbelievable. And I had a look at some statistics after that uh, from a journalist who's a football journalist. I need to preface what I'm about to say with this. His name is Ryan O'Hanlon. And he has come out and said this. Lionel Messi is the best male athlete of all time. It's not Tom Brady or Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Why? Not enough people play either sport. So this is Ryan O'Hanlon, an ESPN journo, saying that Leo Messi is the best male athlete of all time. Before I get your thoughts, Bix, mm. if you agree or disagree or you have a nomination, send it in, 0427154166. That's the text line. But we'd love you to call one 736 736 Mark Bickley, is Ryan O'Hanlon correct? Ryan O'Hanlon, I don't know. And I respect that he works uh, in football. But I think this is a ridiculous statement. I, for one... I'm not absolutely sure, and I've canvassed a few people in the last 24 hours. I'm not absolutely sure that Lionel Messi is the greatest soccer player of all time or football player of all time. So how can he be the greatest athlete of all time? Where does Pele stand? Where does Maradona stand? And I'm sure there are others that I've left out. There are, I can, I quickly came up with three or four uh, names that I had before Messi. Well, so, throw them at me, brother. Well, I want to start with Don Bradman. Now, the reason I put Bradman up there is because in this sport, which has spanned well over 100 years, his average is about 30% better than any other player at this level who has ever achieved anything like it. So he's averaged 9994 and then players that have played for any period of time, they, they struggle to be able to average 60. So he is, he is far and away, head and shoulders and a top hat uh, above the next best. Can you say that about Messi? Absolutely, I can. And also from what... So Ryan Messi is, had... is head, shoulders and more above Pelé, Maradona... Uh, Ronaldinho, I, I don't know, there's, there's Charlton, is he is he that much better than all those other guys? Yeah, but you, you also need to be very careful about how you're comparing eras and players too, okay? So let, let's use the basic example of what Ryan said. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think your Don Bradman one is a very Australian and it's a very parochial Australian view that cricket isn't played in every country in the world. So your sample size is small. No, no, no. So that, that, that's not quite right. Um, world fo- football's not played in every country in the world. There's 247 countries, but over half of the world's population play cricket. Over half. I think but that's. Is, but you're, that's a you're solid, isolating that to India. Well, no, I'm just saying that's a solid sample size that over half of the world's population play. I get Tom Brady. And the NFL, that is... Tom Brady, no chance. Tom Brady doesn't even get in the conversation. I'm just saying, but that's a small sample size. So I'm saying that. But if you look, I can look on a lot of, um, you know, you Google it and and you ask for the 10 greatest athletes of all time. Brady's in a lot of them. 
And, um, and so I get that and, I, and I'm happy for that when you say a small sample size. But I think once you get over half of the world's population, that is a, that's a fair sample size. Okay, so we do have a call, Bix. Yes. Um, and we are welcoming them, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 G'day, Paul. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Yes, very well. What do you think about the, the world's greatest athlete? No, it's not, it's not parochial. Uh, I'm not sure if it was Time magazine or Sports Illustrated at the end of the last century uh, did an analysis, a statistical analysis mm-hmm. of the greatest sportsman that ever lived, Bradman was number one on, on the world stage simply because he is statistically twice as effectively twice as good as any other batsman that played the game. Mm. And if you look at if you look at his statistics, and and you bear in mind that he was playing at a time when they had uncovered pitches, mm-hmm. he's 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 statistically even further ahead of the current players. So if, if you look at it on a statistic, I think Babe Ruth came second because he was statistically so much better than anybody else that had played um, baseball. So if you look at it on a complete statistic level, um, and bear in mind, these are individual sportsmen. So when you go out to bat, you're an individual. Mm. Football is very much a team sport. Whether Messi would have been as great a player if he, if he had been playing for Barcelona and, and Argentina, they're interesting questions. But he's not so far statistically in front of all the other players that have played football that you can put them on the same page as someone like Bradman. Thank you very much. Anyway, those are my views. Love that, Paul. And uh, you articulated everything that I was trying to say, but so much better. So thank you. Well, we're going to keep threading this through the rest of the show. We want to take more of your calls, read out your texts, and give some more nominations in a moment as well. So the greatest male athlete of all time, who is it? We will get back to it straight after this on SENSA Breakfast. Team Hyundai at Port Adelaide. All your family needs in a vehicle built for tomorrow. That's here today. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! 20 minutes past seven on SENSA Breakfast. Very soon we're going to be asking you who's in the hotel lobby for your chance to win a night stay at the Hotel Grand Chancellor Adelaide. Mark Bickley, we are asking at the moment who is the greatest male athlete of all time after a journo out of the States yesterday said it was Leo Messi. You're going with Don Bradman. We've got a few texts coming in. 0427154166. Yes, this one is from Todd who says, Morning lads, the greatest athlete of all time is Kelly Slater. You're welcome. Uh, that's from Todd. Uh, no worries, Todd. Appreciate you having some input into the show. Kelly Slater also got a run uh, from someone else uh, further up the page. Um, the other one that I like, uh, and I had him on my list. Uh, firstly, this is from James at Selick Speech. says, what about Usain Bolt? Has to be in the top three, three to five. Usain Bolt won eight Olympic medals, all gold. Mm-hmm. So he is very yep. good. But he also mentioned another name, and that other name is Michael Phelps. Now, let's have a listen to Michael Phelps. There has never been a better swimmer. The most decorated swimmer is miles ahead. Michael Phelps, extraordinary yet again. Extraordinary yet again. I'm an evidence-based guy. I like to have the facts and figures to back it up, like Don Bradman. So I went to Michael Phelps. Every country can compete in the Olympics. So... The most Olympic medals ever, gold medals. Let's start with gold medals. Michael Phelps has 23. This is in the history of the Olympic Games. The next best is Larissa Latninia from the Soviet Union. She has nine. So he's two and a half times better 
than every other person who's ever competed in the Olympics at every other sport. That is that is pretty conclusive, Jared. Yeah, it's not bad. I don't mind it. I think it's a great debate. And the names keep coming in. We've had one suggestion of Novak Djokovic too, mm. where is he the greatest male athlete of all time? Um, let us know. 0427-154-166. We'll continue reading out your nominations across the morning. Don't forget, just for sending us a text or giving us a call, you'll go in the running for the Signet Boost Power Bank. We'll keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered 24-7, Bix. Yeah, also, uh, Halloween was last night. We've been asking people how they celebrated. <laughs> this is a great text from Will. He said the scariest Halloween costume I saw last night was this massive man dressed as the walking dead. Well done to Matty Primus for still fitting into his 2012 coaching kit. (laughs) (laughs) Can I say, Will, uh, and look, I don't like to have favourites. Will, you would be my favourite contributor to SENSA. You are on point and I love you. So thank you very much for that. Next, we want to give you the opportunity to stay at the Hotel Grand Chancellor. So we'll come back and we'll play the mystery person inside the hotel lobby. It's 23 past seven. Tire Power, Australia's biggest independent tire retailer, keeping you safe on the roads. Tirepower.com.au. Mourn Team Hyundai at Port Adelaide. All your family needs in a vehicle built for tomorrow that's here today. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go. 28 minutes past seven, we're going for 22 degrees today. Uh, Before we head to the news, Mark Bickley, we are kicking goals with Grand Chancellor Adelaide's free extras. We have an overnight stay for you and your bestie, overnight parking for one car, $50 food and beverage credit. We are asking the question, who is in the Hotel Grand Chancellor lobby? If you haven't heard this before, have a listen right now to our mystery sporting hero. No, we don't have the mystery sporting hero. Okay, well, that's all right. So, I mean, there's no one in the hotel lobby. So what we'll do is we'll get that sorted and um, we will be able to do it straight after the news, if you can hear me right now. Um, our number is 0427-154-166. There was no one in the hotel lobby. So I'm guessing that means no one is going to be um, winning the prize. No, well, we'll get back to that. But uh, Matthew Clark's coming up after the news. So is Lauren Arnell. So we'll have a bit of a focus on the AFLW, of course, Differing ends of the spectrum. Matthew Clark about to go into the finals. Lauren Arnell, one game to go, and hopefully a good one for the Port Adelaide Football Club as they say farewell to one of their absolute superstars. Back after the news. Good morning. Tire Power, Australia's biggest independent tire retailer, keeping you safe on the roads. Tirepower.com.au. Mourn Team Hyundai at Port Adelaide. All your family needs in a vehicle built for tomorrow that's here today. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go. 27 minutes to eight on SENSA Breakfast Picks. Before we go to Doc Clark, one of our mates, Fair Dingham Internet without the fuss, um, I have been able to put some WD-40 on the door of the lift at the Hotel (laughs) Grand Chancellor. We are kicking goals with their exclusive SEN free extras deal. Book direct for the win. So we've got overnight accommodation for two people in a king or twin room, overnight parking for one car, $50 food and beverage credit. Have a listen and let us know who you think is in the hotel lobby. I have a dog called Billy and a cat called Helen. A dog Mm. called Billy and a cat called Helen. 
think I recognise that voice. But anyway, um, we'll get people to give us a call if you think you know who that is. But we've got a very special guest who we want to get to, and that is the coach of the Adelaide Crows AFLW side, Matthew Clark, on the eve of the final series. One game to go before they crack into that. Doc, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, boys. Hey, it's our pleasure. Um, firstly, uh, you'd be pretty happy with how the season's unfolded. There's a bit of change at the end of last year, uh, and you've been able to maintain that sort of great form that you've had and put yourself in a pretty strong position right now. Yeah, no, very, very happy. Um, yeah, it was uh, a little bit of change over the over the break, uh, but we've had, you know, a reasonable, well, a long, <laughs> a long period to prepare. Uh, and so we've sort of felt going in that we were, in good shape, but you're you're never really sure until it till it kicks off. So to to get to eight and one and um, yeah lock away top two last week was uh, really pleasing. And then obviously yeah we've got a we're at a final match this weekend and then yeah finals two home finals which is exciting for our for our fans. Doc, we had a chat to Courtney Cramey this time last week, and I, I said to her um, after a disappointing loss, you know people would have thought that you were happy with it because you've got such a calm presence about you. Do you think that's one of your strengths leading into a final series that, yes, you've been there before, you know what it's like to have victory, but also learn from the things that don't go your way, which that kind of IP is something that you can only experience if you've been through it before? Yeah, it's an interesting one going into finals. Obviously, everyone sort of goes, oh, experience is, is an asset. But then every now and then you see a team come through, young, you know, no no fear and they just get it done so I think both both versions can be useful I guess if you have got experience I, I guess the trick is to try and <laughs> maximize it and use it uh, to your to your to your benefit and not uh, not leave any scars if you've had a bad experience I suppose yeah, look I guess one of the things you'd be loving was uh, Sarah Allen who um, was a really big blow on the on the eve of the season losing her with a really serious hamstring injury she comes back uh, played pretty well last week but to have her who's so solid back there and does marshal the troops and really sort of steady you, like to have her coming back on the eve of the finals is a huge boost. Massive, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable asset uh, for our team. And, um, yeah, it's, it was interesting, like, because she's... We were talking about calm and, and mm. <laughs> composed people. Because she's of, of that nature, um, you sometimes forget. And uh, it was, you know, it was only sort of yesterday that I caught up with her and because um, I... You know, it was a bit of a miss on my behalf after the game. You know, she got back, she played well, everything had gone pretty smoothly. And I just sort of forgot to check in and say, oh, how was that? You know, you bloody haven't played for 11 months. Uh, and she was, and she sort of reflected, yeah, I was really nervous and I didn't feel great out there. And mm. But she played, just the way she played was just outstanding. So, um, yeah, she's she's a huge part of our team and, and the balance of our, of our lineup. So to get her back off the back of, Really, what she did was she sort of set herself to spend 11 weeks doing absolutely everything perfect in order to give herself a chance, and, and that's what she did. And yeah, we're really grateful. Another player has become super important too, and I love the way she plays. And she actually kicked the winner on the weekend was Nev Canville, uh, Nev Kelly. Sorry, um, she is such a powerful player, and that burst of speed, and I just love the way she goes about it. She's got this sort of infectious personality as well. Yes, no, we're very happy uh, to have uh, been able to get Neve over last season, and um, it probably took her a little while just to sort of adjust and and maybe sort of unlock all of those you know, assets that she has. Um, you know, perhaps it, you know, some players can spend a little bit too long thinking about what's about to happen rather than just doing it. And I think she's become 
you know, much more instinctive and just backing her, her speed, which is elite, obviously, uh, this season. And, yeah, obviously, you know, we're wrapped for how, how well she's going. And, uh, and equally, yeah, she's going to be really important over the next month. We're going to talk about Erin Phillips and her legacy in a moment, but Ebony Marinoff and her impact on the AFLW has been absolutely outstanding. And I, I sometimes have to double-check how old she is because she's so <laughs> still so young as a, as a woman, which means she's got such a bright future ahead of her. But she's dominating at the moment, Doc. I'm sure you're really glad to have her as part of the setup with so much more football ahead of her. Yeah, well, she's, she's never missed a game, ever. <laughs> she's played 75 games, uh, which doesn't sound a lot, but in, in AFLW perspective, mm. it's the most. And, um, yeah, she, her ability to play through adversity uh, is phenomenal. Um, and so that obviously enables, enables her to just keep getting better. And, and then probably the other thing is, you know, she hasn't, she's, every asset that she's added to her game is one that she's developed. She's, she's just worked incredibly hard, and every off-season, she's tinkering, trying to get a little bit better, trying to find another edge. Uh, so it's just an absolute uh, role model for, for young players coming into our, into our group to say, well, if, if this player here, who's already achieved quite a bit, is willing to do all of this just to try and get a little bit better, then perhaps that might be the way to go. So no, we're very fortunate. And talk about infectious personality. She's certainly got that. Um, when we talk about your, your preparation heading into finals, you've played the top three teams in the last month pretty much before the final series. Do you view that as a, as a positive? Yeah, I think uh, that's kind of the way they structured the draw. Um, so all of the teams that are in that, so obviously we've played them and they've played us. So, mm. um, yeah, we've, we've all had a bit of a look at each other. And uh, and the, the interesting thing this season is the depth of the competition has in, increased. So it probably stretches down a little bit further than the than the top four this year, which has perhaps not been the case in the past. So I think it, going into this final round, I think there's 13 teams still mathematical chance. Probably in reality, it's more like nine or ten. And, and within that that, um, that 10, there's probably, on any given day, it's getting to that point, as, as we see in men's footy, where on any given day, anyone can knock you over or, or, or vice versa. So, yeah, the comp's really healthy. Um, and uh, and the next month, I think, will really highlight, you know, maybe some people haven't uh, tuned in because of the new sort of time slot. They might have missed the fact that the AFLW's been banging along. But it's it, the product's really good. It's uh, the, the footies are at a really high standard, and the competition has balanced out, and it's really evening up. So it's going to be yeah, it's going to be a great month of, uh, of footy ahead. Now, Matthew, uh, Jared Walsh sort of pointed to the fact that Erin Phillips uh, announced her retirement yesterday. You're someone who's been uh, you know been able to watch her up close and the impact that she has and the way she prepares herself. Do you want to talk a little bit about her and the impact she's had on the Adelaide Football Club? Oh yeah, well, women's football, yeah. um, football more broadly. To be mm. honest, like mm. I think the the way the impact the AFLW has had certainly on our club and I think on the league as a whole has been really really significant. It's just changed the landscape and, and for the better, significantly for the better. And there's no doubt that particularly in those early years, you know, you needed some champions to to for people to look and say, oh wow, that's that's what it could be like. Uh, and in those first few seasons, she was, you know, head and shoulders above the competition, um, and and it kind of, you know, led the way. It was the she was the torchbearer. And now, you know, when I look at the, the games that are getting played now, you know, there's lots of Erin Phillips out there or players of her, you know, standing. But there, there wasn't when it first started. So the way that she led the competition uh, and and showed the way in those years was great. And then from my perspective, clearly. 
uh, I came in a couple of years in, um, and just you know, just the will to win, the competitive nature, the the willingness to like her body is shouldn't she shouldn't have been playing really for the last four or five years, but she just uh, she just wanted and willed herself to to be able to keep competing, and you know, for for our team and for our club, um, that resulted in some success, which we which you know, we're obviously very appreciative of. And now she gets to have a bit of relaxation and enjoy family time, which sounds like a pretty pretty fair deal, I reckon. Now, Doc, we know you're a vet, um, but is it part of the contractual agreement for the Adelaide Crows that any time you guys do media appearances, you do it in a birdcage? Because it's there's birds all around you at the moment, and all we could hear was just oh, tweeting really? birds. So is this oh, part of the deal or what? No. <laughs> no, we, th- we think you were still side hustling as a vet. But uh, good luck this weekend, and um, good luck for the final series. We appreciate your time. It was just a beautiful day in Adelaide. Get outside, enjoy the outdoors. There's lots of birds chirping because it's a cracker. So get amongst it. Hey, hey, Matty, before we let you go, we've been talking about the greatest ever male athletes. Did you have one quickly you might want to contribute to the show? Uh, oh, well, I grew up in the MJ era. Um, so obviously Jordan, uh, you would have you would have um, gone with Usain Bolt, I imagine. Phelps. Mm. Uh, what about Daly Thompson? Did you throw him in the mix? Or? <laughs> no, he's not bad though. Thanks very much for your offbeat uh, answer as always, Matt. See you, see you soon. There you go. There you go. Matthew. Uh, we got a text de- text coming in there after we say farewell to uh, Matthew Clark and we do appreciate his time. The text line 0427 one of the young up-and-coming players for the Adelaide Crows who you mentioned, Neve Kelly, but you called her Neve Campbell. Uh, so the text was, what is your favourite Neve Campbell movie? Is it Tango because she was in it with Matthew Perry? Do you like Scream? Or are you a big party of five watcher? No, I just quickly corrected myself. And not many Neves around the place and somehow I was stuck in my brain. But anyway, got Neve Kelly out there. But she is a star, by the way. What a recruit she has been. And uh, there is when she gets the ball, no one can catch her. She is just... Power personified. Running speed is very important to Adelaide. Uh, there's uh, a lot of Neve Campbell movies, actually. I'm just going through the <laughs> IMDb one at the moment. Um, and there's some that probably aren't safe to talk about on the radio. So I might just leave that one right. there, actually. We're going to go uh, to the uh, the hotel lobby. We've got some people who uh, think they may have recognised who is in the hotel lobby. Let's start with uh, Louis. G'day, Louis. How are you? Are you there, Louis? Maybe not. We might go to, uh, is Darren there? <laughs> See if Darren's there. Hi, Darren, how are you? Well. Yeah, good. Who, who do you think's in the uh, Hotel Adelaide Grand Chancellor uh, lobby? No, well, Darren might have gone as well. Yeah, well, look, I'm just going to make oh, a there suggestion. We go. Say, oh, there we go. Hey, gosh. mate, how are you? Oh, you've got Louie here. Oh, Louie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, we, we're yeah, just happy to take it. We're just happy to take anyone at the moment. Who's in the Who's in the lobby, mate? Uh, I thought it was Aaron Phillips, but that's too obvious for Walshie. I'm going to change it to Sam Kerr. Oh, yes, he's got it. <laughs> Winner! Louis, congratulations, mate. We will send you off to the Hotel Grand Chancellor um, and 
Look, they'd be really wrapped with this segment because it's been a train wreck. So let's be honest with you. Um, we'll just mention them heaps. So overnight accommodation for two people in a king or twin room. Parking for one car, $50 food and beverage credit. That is all yours, Louis. Thanks for saving us, mate, because I was nervous if we had to keep doing it. So um, you're a legend. <laughs> it's not a reflection of the Hotel Grand Chancellor, but um, you get that prize. And it certainly was... Sam Kerr, I might be taking a risk asking this, but can we listen to Sam Kerr once again in the hotel lobby just to hear it? I have a dog called Billy and a cat called Helen. Mm. All right, there you go. It's done. So it is Sam Kerr playing for the Matildas tonight. Let's pretend none of that ever happened. <laughs> Lou is the winner. We're going to take a breather and I may not return. So we're back after this on SENSA with Quick Picks. Morn Team Hyundai at Port Adelaide. All your family needs in a vehicle built for tomorrow that's here today. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go! Eight minutes to eight on SENSA. Lauren Arnell, coach of the Port Adelaide AFLW side, will join us just after eight o'clock this morning. Don't forget the run home with Kimbo and the Roach from 3pm. Sports Day SA, Dan Menzel and David Wildey. This is happening uh, a little bit later on today, so you can listen on Cruise 13. 23 on the app is probably your best way to do it too. Mark Bickley, I mean, I I think this is one of my most exciting parts of a week where I get to look at you normally in Studio Lumo today. It's down a camera lens because you have no idea of the theme of what's about to happen. So none whatsoever. Let's get into the beautiful thing called Quick Picks. Got some feedback last week that I explained the segments too much, so let's just say it's very easy. If you haven't heard it before, Bix answers questions in 10 seconds. He gets one extension. Today, Mark Bickley yes. is a very special edition of Quick Bix, as it always is. And because we were talking about the greatest male athlete of all time, I thought I'd mix it up a bit. And today's edition of Quick Bix is the GOAT <laughs> edition. That was a GOAT, by the way. That's a screaming GOAT. You ready to go? Okay, let's have a crack at this. I mean, are you ready to goat? (laughs) (laughs) Sound like humans, not goats. No, they are screaming goats. All right, here we go. Question one, Mark Bickley in the goat edition of Quick Bicks. Yes. You get 10 seconds, remember. Michael Jordan wore three numbers, Mm. 23, Mm -hmm. 45, Mm. and... Three... 45. Um, I'm going to be honest here. I don't know the answer, so I'm going to have a guess, and I'm going to say 13. Incorrect. <laughs> you were one it? off. It was 12. Oh, so close. So in 1990, yeah. a thief stole Michael Jordan's jersey mm. from the Orlando Magic Visitors locker rooms. Yeah. And at, at that point of the NBA, they didn't carry around a spare. So they just had similar to what like a blood kit is now. Mm. So they have just that. So he was wearing a nameless number 12 jersey oh. in 1990. So he w- what, for one game or? For one game, he wore the number 12. Well, talk a bit obscure. How would anyone know that? Did you know that? Did you that? watch The Last Dance? I did. 
Oh, okay, there you go. So, let's <laughs> not continue. Clo- not close Thanks. enough, obviously. Yeah, you're a goldfish head. All right, so <laughs> let's go into question two okay. in the GOAT <laughs> edition of Quick Picks. Serena Williams has won 23 Grand Slams. Mm. What has she won the most? I'm going to say the Australian Open on the hard court. She's been very good. And Wimbledon, she's been very good. So, but I'm going to go... I'll go Wimbledon. You're half right because it's a tie... And it is tied between the Australian Open and Wimbledon at seven. Yeah, thanks for the tick there, Jace. I, I think that was close enough. I said they were that she was strong on those two, but okay, not that's not so bad. So she won the uh, the U.S. Open six times, the French Open mm-hmm. three times, and having a look at some of the statistics yesterday at Serena Williams, uh, one of her most uh, frequently uh, op- opposed players, so the, the player that she played against the most was her sister. She played against her sister so many times in Grand Slam finals. Hey, it's ridiculous. Uh, and her older sister too. So the younger sister sort of won out against Venus. Yes. All right. Not bad from you. Let's go into question three in the GOAT <laughs> edition of Quick Picks. Lee Matthews wore the famous number three at Hawthorne. Name the last three players to wear it at the Hawks. Plus three. John Newcomb wears it now. And I think he took over from Tom Mitchell. But before Tom Mitchell... Uh, no, I'm out. I don't know. Wow. What? Are you sure? I reckon you can use your extension here. I'm going to give it to you. Just really have a good think about this. So really right. good think about. They are a very notable player. Okay, and so before Tom Mitchell, uh, was it one of those players during that sort of premiership era? Absolutely. Whether, okay, okay. Was it? Uh, was it the Jordan? Hair is was the, it of the plastic variety? Jordan Lewis? Was it? Yes, it was. <laughs> it was Jordan Lewis. Okay. All go. right, I helped you out there. Uh, let's go into the next question in the goat. Edition of Quick Bix. The Ballon d'Or mm-hmm. has been shared. This is an incredible stat, Mark Bickley. The Ballon d'Or has been shared by Leo Messi and Ronaldo since 2008, apart from two years. So there's only been two years between 2008 and 2023, which Messi and Ronaldo didn't win it. Wow. So apart from 2018 and 22, who did not win it out of these three players? So there are two winners, one in 18, Mm. one in 22, that wasn't Messi and Ronaldo. Who did not win it? A, Luka Modric, B, Karim Benzema, or C, Neymar? Mm. I've I've got a memory of Benzema winning it because I didn't really know much about him. And so then it's out of Luka Modric and Neymar... And no, no, it's not like it's not like Tony Modra. It's Modric, okay. not Modric. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm going to go. Oh yeah, Tony Modric. Yeah, I'm going to go that Neymar hasn't won it. Correct. Well done. That was a guess.
So Benzema was last year and Luca was in 2018. Two to go. Okay. In the GOAT <laughs> edition of Quick Picks. Sir Donald Bradman played 52 tests at a batting average of 99.94. Mm-hmm. He scored 29 test centuries. How many half centuries? A12, B13, C14. Um, I'm going to go. I said 13 earlier. Go, I'll go with 13 again. It was wrong last time. How about this time? Is 13 correct? Yeah, it's correct. Well done. Good. Happy days. Good job. Happy days. Last one in the GOAT. Is the goat there? <laughs> There's the goat. It's a, it's a very delayed goat. Um, what is Tiger Woods' real name? I think I know this. I'm building the suspense, but it's Eldrick Woods. What's his middle name? Oh, well, okay, on. we get the point. But what's his middle <laughs> oh, name? No I mean, idea. I mean, that's jumping the gun. I'm not giving him the point. Well, who, what's his? I don't know his middle name. I just thought Eldrick was the winner there. Like that's Eldrick Taunt Woods. Taunt. That's unusual. So you get half a point. I'm not going to play you winner music. Okay, so you get half a point. Oh, well, well, thank you for that. Uh, just quickly, uh, <laughs> got a, getting a lot of text messages coming through saying that Michael Jordan wore number nine in the Dream Team. That's from Todd oh, Well, I'm talking in the NBA. I'm not saying the USA oh, number. On. I'm saying in the NBA. But fair call. Hold me to account with that. That's fine. I'm, <laughs> I, I appreciate the feedback. Just getting some feedback there. So anyway, that was it. I, I really liked the GOAT edition. That was pretty solid from no, you. No, Bix, you've got to say the GOAT. You try it. If you say GOAT, it may or may not work. So just go. GOAT. There you go. We're going to talk about one of the uh, goats of Australian women's football. <laughs> that is Erin uh, Phillips. We'll uh, speak about her with Lauren Arnell, the coach of Port Adelaide, straight after this. It's SENSA. Good morning. We'll talk a little bit more about the legacy that she will leave. Port Adelaide are going to be looking for a new skipper in 2024 as they reflect on the season with one more game to go. We say good morning, and I believe it's also congratulations to Lauren Arnell. I think you've had some big personal news over the past couple of weeks, Lauren. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, guys. Great to great to chat to you as always. And, yeah, it's been... Um... It's been a big couple of weeks, but great focus. Um, great focus on Erin yesterday. I thought it was a really special day for the footy club, and um, highly emotional, but a great day. Mm, yeah, there's no doubt about that, and I think she's uh, uh, recognised universally for what she's done for the game, and it's and it's been so great for your club when you're trying to establish some uh, some key standards and uh, and what it looks like for your young players to have someone like that they can look up to. Must have been a big help for your, what you're trying to achieve as well, Lauren. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, Bix. I think, um, you know, if there's anyone that has set a standard in this competition for, for being the absolute, maximising the most you can get out of yourself, it's Erin Phillips. And um, I think that's one huge takeaway for Erin and, and for our whole playing group yesterday is that every opportunity you have, um, you know, it's unlikely that any athlete lasts and, and has the volume of success that Erin has, but... If you apply yourself in that manner, you give yourself every opportunity. 
Um, it is a nice way to finish the season. It hasn't been quite the the wins and losses perhaps that you might have uh, wanted, but to be able to send her off, to be able to have the other players experience, you know, uh, this, I guess, a bigger build-up. There's probably going to be a bigger crowd there. It's still an opportunity to, to finish off on a real positive note for your season. You're absolutely right. And, um, you know, just to finish the season at Alberton and, and Aaron's career is, is hugely exciting for us. And, you know, we have been chasing that win since we came back from 20 points down against St Kilda on the road. Um, it feels like an eternity ago. And, yeah, we certainly... The message throughout this season, while we haven't had the wins and losses, is we certainly think we're capable. We just haven't been able to piece it together. And so, you know, we'll put absolutely everything that we possibly can again into this week and, and hopefully be able to send slip off in the right way. So, Lauren, the season comes and goes really quickly, and we know that in the future they are going to be longer AFLW seasons. Um, if you have a look statistically at the ladder, you can see where Port Adelaide's sitting. But I don't want to talk about where the ladder position is. I wanted to ask you about the learnings and the growth of the squad that you've put together, which will set you up for not just next year, but the next couple of years. Is that evident and obvious to you? There is momentum. Yeah, I think anyone that's watched us play from last year into this year, even pockets of this year, um, will confidently tell you we're playing a better brand of football, and um, and our athletes' bodies have have developed. We've just we've got a long way to go, and that's that's evident through the wins and losses ledger and where we are, are at in this competition currently. And yeah, there's been elements of um, you know we felt last year even there's games where you leave as a loss and you go, we, we could have won or we should have won that game. And then there's been elements of that again this year where you take as much learning as you can with your young group and try and teach them to, to play four quarters of footy and, and empower them to play four quarters of footy against some very experienced bodies. So there's been, um, there's been some really positive steps forward. I think, um, you know, Abby Dowrick's ta- taken some huge steps forward in her footy this year. Gemma Houghton's played um, the whole season now, which is um, nothing that we had last year. Ash Saints come into the fold as a deeper forward and, and done a pretty good job in uh, in nine games so far at our footy club. And, and Matilda Scholes, who I think has every right to put her hand up to say, look at me as the rising star of the competition. You know, she's played, she's still 18 years old and, and played nine games of footy at our footy club. And I think anyone that's come to see her play is genuinely excited about the future. Mm, I, I... Couldn't agree more. Matilda Scholes has been one that's caught my eye, the way she jumps at the footy. She's aggressive. She gets after it on the deck. I just love watching her play. What What do you need more of? What are, where are the holes in your side and what are you hoping to, uh, I, I guess you can bring players in, but there's also you know going to be that sort of organic growth. Is is the growth already there or is there some, some elements that you need to bring in? Yeah, look, it's a great question. I think there's elements of growth where players are, understanding the level a lot better around where they need to get to in our group and, and then there's an element of what we're what we're really missing which is some real depth midfield and, and some elite classy midfield which can get from contest to contest and you watch the AFLW evolve over the last probably couple of seasons and the best teams have have a group of players who are at a higher level of fitness naturally than we are they've done seven pre-seasons and they've played a lot more footy together but they also have the ability to move the ball faster and and chain uh, uncontested possessions better than what we can currently. So there's there's areas for growth naturally in the group, and there's areas for growth that we'll um, we'll need to make some change across the list. I don't want to get too far ahead of what 
2024 looks like. But as a, a club perspective, I know that the Port Adelaide Magpies have a new captain already, but the men's team will need a new captain. Is is the process to find the replacement for Aaron, is that player-driven? Is it coach-driven? Or is it just a, a collection of both? Or is this something you won't even think about until <laughs> moving into next preseason? Yeah, it's an early jump on, on that question for us. Um, look, I, it's yeah, there's certainly a lot more to play out for us currently than um, than the next captain for next year. But uh, the process for us has always been um, a balance of of coaching, footy club, and and player voice. And so I um, have no doubt we'll that we'll get to that when it's the right time. And then what about yourself, Lauren? What happens after this weekend? Can you talk through for the, the Port Adelaide fans what, what it looks like for you in the off-season, apart from, you know, you've got a very busy personal life, but um, uh, give yeah. us some of your movements. Yeah, essentially for, for coaches and for staff, it's actually quite a busy period once you once the actual games end. So we, um, we the AFL mandate player what we call player interviews or player exit meetings are immediate so you, you need to get them done within the first week post your last game um so we'll, we'll jump straight into that next week and um and then we'll have a couple of weeks of pretty heavy review and, and list management which uh the afl dates for us that the list management goes into mid-december and and the next draft is actually december 18 so um while we won't be playing games it'll definitely be a pretty busy period of time well, Lauren, um, we wish you all the best. This weekend's a big weekend for your team, for the footy club, for Aaron Phillips. We hope that unfolds really well. And uh, we thank you for your time throughout the year as well. You've been really accessible to us and we uh, we love chatting about the AFLW. No, I really appreciate the support, guys, and hopefully see you down there at Aaron's last game on Saturday. Yeah, and it's going to be a wonderful celebration of the contribution Erin Phillips has made to the sport in general, because, I mean, we can talk about her um, for, for now until forever because th- there was always the, the sense that she was going to have an impact I- in football. Um, and I feel like that AFLW wouldn't be as progressed or mainstream or have that much attention on it if it wasn't for someone like Erin Phillips. So she should be celebrated. Mm. And, and the beauty of it is... I hope that a lot of Adelaide supporters get to Alberton as well to, to say thank you because the, some of those premierships wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Aaron Phillips. No, no doubt about that. And I think Matthew Clark summed it up. You know, I uh, sort of flippantly said she's been amazing for the AFLW and he he just talked about in a broader sense, if you think how much of an impact the AFLW ha- has had on AFL football in general – then she's had an enormous impact on football, not just on the AFLW, which is a really good comment. So, yep, concur uh, absolutely with what you had to say. If you're a, if you're a Adelaide fan and you've loved what Erin um, Phillips has been able to do, and you get an opportunity and you're close by, get down there and and show your appreciation of um, what's going to be a an, an historic day, I guess. In, in now, let me ask you this quickly sense. though, because uh, yes, I know that I'm jumping the gun talking about a next captain, but someone like Erin Phillips is extremely difficult to replace. So that when you look at leadership and uh, experience at Port Adelaide, yes, there's leaders, but there's not a lot of experience. So mm. now provides Lauren and the whole team an opportunity to see what leadership looks like to them and what their next captain looks like to them. So I guess if that is player-driven and coach-driven, it's going to be really symbolic for the club to have their, their second captain coming in and wearing that number one. Yeah, look, I think this is a process that is uh, ongoing. Like, 
when Aaron came to the club, I think everyone realised there's, you know, every player has a use by date in terms of they can't play forever. So, you know, I, I think one of the things they would have been looking at very closely is the players that, that are showing or do have those leadership uh, qualities uh, and, and maximising those uh, opportunities for that that person or the, the people to be able to spend time with Aaron, to observe, to watch. And remembering they've also got people like, Juliet Haslam, they've got people like Rachel Spawn around the place as well. So they've got great leadership throughout the club. So I think the next captain that comes in certainly will be totally different to what Aaron is. That's generally the way. Uh, and I think the trap will be, or, or the, the trick will be, to make sure they don't try and be like Aaron. There, there's only one Aaron mm. Phillips. That next captain has to have the confidence and the self-belief to be the best version of themselves as captain, not trying to replicate what Aaron's done because that's going to be very difficult to do. 14 minutes past eight. If you missed it earlier, Mark Bickley has some breaking news about the city in which we live in, Adelaide in South Australia. Uh, we will reveal that again for you straight after this on SENSA Breakfast. Good morning. That's here today. Breakfast with Mark Bickley and Jared Walsh. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go. Been a massive show this morning on SENSA Breakfast, Bix. Uh, it's been big. It's been really nice to reflect on the career of Aaron Phillips, who yesterday announced her retirement from the AFLW. But as we spoke to Lauren Arnell, the impact that she has had, not just on uh, the Port Adelaide Football Club, the Adelaide Football Club, but women's football. Without Erin Phillips, we probably wouldn't be as progressed as we are right now with AFLW. So it was really nice to hear those words from Lauren Arnell. Yeah, it's been uh, an amazing week. There's been lots of stuff that we've been doing. And it's been that's a nice little exclamation mark, really, for Port Adelaide one final game and an opportunity to farewell Aaron. So, yeah, it's uh, it dovetails beautifully, doesn't it? And um, and the fact that we get to celebrate her and her contribution to both clubs, I think, is uh, something that that isn't without note. So, uh, yep, it's been uh, great to be able to talk about her today. Uh, big show tomorrow. We're going to speak to Cal Toomey, who will give us an update on all the AFL happenings because there's still stuff going on. It won't go away with Melbourne coming out and having their little letter to the members and Gary Pert and Simon Goodwin speaking yesterday. But also with the draft coming up, it'd be really good to get an insight from Cal into who we look out for. And they joke about it a lot, but still, is there a live chance that Harley Reid's number one draft pick could be traded by West Coast? Who knows? Yes or no, Bix, what do you reckon? I might even chuck it tomorrow in um, the captain's call. Yeah, look, I think at this stage, I think they will. I, I think that there's enough interest uh, from clubs in Melbourne who think he's a, he's, he's the term, a generational talent, uh, like about five other blokes. But um, I think there's going to be enough thrown at West Coast for them to say, where we are in our rebuild, if we get two top 10 picks or... It, that that's that enables us to go forward, and they can take some local talent uh, with who is available, but just in different spots, and they don't have to use that number one pick. Uh, and we're going to try and catch up with Tilly Garrett as well, who made her debut for the Australian Diamonds in the recent series against South Africa. Because I got to jump on a plane because um, I would like to come back to Adelaide and like to see my family because I've heard they're really nice so it'd be really good to introduce myself to them and then I'll be back in Studio Lumo tomorrow with you for a massive Thursday have a wonderful day Mark Bickley and thank you to everybody for getting involved on the show today yeah um, we look forward to welcoming you back to the studio just be careful the dog doesn't bite you when he gets home you might think it's an intruder into his house so uh, you enjoy your trip back <laughs> and we'll see you again tomorrow morning